everybody. Welcome into another edition of The Shock Show. This is our first episode on Zoom, so if we sound a little bit different than usual, that's uh, that's the explanation there. But I'm your host, Curtis, joined tonight by... Josh. Mario. And Jordan. All right, guys. So let's jump into this coastal victory over Texas State. 35-21, to Grayson McCall with five touchdowns, no interceptions, building off of a season that uh, has really been been really good for him. Uh, coming back from injury, he looked exactly like the same Grayson that, that we had all known coming into the season. Were you surprised by Grayson starting this game? Did it Was it something that you expected? And did you expect a performance like this from Grayson in his first game back? Yeah, you know, they said earlier this week that he had a chance to play. After what we were hearing was it was serious. He might sit out the entire season, maybe the bowl game. But it was good to see him play. He posted his career high for touchdown passes, which I was kind of surprised that it was five. But he looked really good. He was throwing the ball down the field. We were talking about him taking a little more shots. He did, but granted, that's because we actually put speed in with Tyson Mobley. But yeah, he looked really good, and I was really impressed, and it felt really good and right to see him back out there on the field. Yeah, for me, um, I honestly didn't know. I didn't know that they were going to give him a chance. I didn't know they had updated the health status for him. Um, and for me, I thought that – I really thought that Coach Chabot was going to um, leave Carpenter in, Bryce Carpenter in, and um, this game. So I, I was completely shocked, but it was really good to see him back out there on the field and doing the things that he does on a weekly basis. Um, so, you know, 87.4 QBR, he played absolutely great. He even got Sunbelt Player of the Week um, today. So um, really great to have Grayson back. And it, you can definitely tell it was a definitely different offense when he's out there and he's out there doing the things that he's doing. So it was really great to have him back, and we, we're glad to have you back, Grayson. Yeah, I'm not surprised that he came back and he showed out. But when I did look at this stat line, I looked at the five touchdowns. I'm going to be honest with you, just look at this stat line alone, the 22 out of 28, 319 yards, 11.4 yards per throw. I think he looks even better than the last time we've seen him, to be honest with you. And this is him coming off of an injury. I think this is one of his best games. So, I mean – it's great to see him back. Hopefully he can keep this up, especially next game and come the bowl game. Hopefully he can continue this uh, production. And yeah, I'm very excited. Yeah, a little weird nugget there is 28 passing attempts was the most of the entire season. And that's not something you would expect him coming off an injury. I was really, they didn't hold him back at all, didn't limit him. And if anything, let him throw the ball more than he's been. Yeah, yeah. They, they really let him run loose in this game, if you will. He dominated from start to finish he looked like you guys said he looked better which he's on pace to have a historical season not just for coastal but in fbs right like he's on pace to have the highest completion percentage in fbs history of a certain amount of of passing attempts he's one of the most efficient passers in in fbs history this season and that guy with those stats going into this game, came out and dominated a team that, yes, we're better than. Let's not... Texas State deserves a little bit of credit. They put up a heck of a fight. But Grayson McCall looked dominant. He looked unstoppable. He looked like the guy that posted on Instagram a couple of days ago that he was a, not a finalist for the Heisman, but had gotten the attention of the Heisman committee. He had a letter in his in his locker that was from the Heisman Memorial Committee, right? That, you know, congratulations on a great season. You know, we've got our eye on you. You're 
one of such and such, you know, people that were watching, that's the guy that came out onto that field and absolutely dominated and made sure that Texas State had no chance to win this game, and it was good to see. Yeah, and, and to bring up what you're talking about, Curtis, with the Heisman, I think that, you know, with everything that's been going on this year, I think that they definitely need to have Grayson for the Heisman Trophy ceremony. Granted, he may not win the Heisman, but it would be a great thing to have uh, Grayson in New York City uh, for the Heisman ceremony. They did it a few years ago. I can't remember. I think it was like 2015 or 16 when they had uh, Keenan Reynolds from Navy. They brought him all the way from the Naval Academy, even had an escorted helicopter come pick him up and take him to New York City. That's the type of thing I think they need to do this year. Definitely try to get Grayson. I mean, like you said, he's having historical numbers. Why not bring him up to New York City? He may not win, but that'll be um, that'll be definitely um, an experience that he'll never forget, and it'll be a big experience and exposure for the university. Yeah, and we played, what, 11 games last year? 12 games, I think, right? We played 12 games. And he's played, he's missed two games. This was our last, he's only started nine games this year and he has 80 less passing yards than he did last year. He's got basically the exact same numbers right now with two games left to go. This in the bowl game that he did last year. So he's had an even better season and he's looked in more command of this offense. So it's really been great to see him. Like you said, I'd love to see him in New York city. Right. And going back to like the regular stats, just going back to this game in general, when I look at these stats, usually the times where the passing game got a little more aggressive, we would see Grayson McCall throw probably like a pick in one of those games or whatever. This is one of the most aggressive passing games of the year. And this man had five touchdowns without a single interception. By far, I'm going to be honest with you, this is his best game. But going to what you guys said about the Heisman, I mean, if it doesn't happen this year, I feel like it has to happen next year. I feel like it has to. If he's just going to continue getting better and better, as we've been seeing, then next year, if not this year, next year, there's no reason why I shouldn't see this man in New York. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I think Heisman finalists, because there's only three of those, I think that's a bit of a stretch. I agree he's having a historical season like we talked about before, that he's he's been excellent. I think Heisman finalist is a bit of a stretch. I'd love to see the Heisman committee honor the like best group of five player, if that makes sense. Yeah. and just have them as, like, a fourth person there. Because the award's not going to go to a group of five player unless if you, I mean, you just destroy the record book, and even then it'd be tough to do because they're going to give it to, like, Alabama's running back anyways. But, like, I think I think you guys are on the right track here. I think next year you go in, the Davey O'Brien Award is there for him as, as the nation's best quarterback. The Maxwell Award which it goes to the best player as voted by the Maxwell voting committee. So essentially like Heisman B essentially, right? Like those are awards on the table, you know, Sunbelt player of the year type stuff where this kid is amazing already and could get even better. The one thing that I wanted to, to bring up before we go into the game itself, since we're already on talking about awards, it fits pretty well. The finalists for the Mackey were announced today, um, which goes to the nation's top tight end. Like the Heisman, there's three finalists. Isaiah Likely's not amongst them, um, which is really disappointing and, and, and really... What's the word that I'm looking for? It's not shocking. Like, they, they just completely disrespect the group of five all the time. 
I'm used to just getting stepped on at this point. But this guy has dominated this season. 10 touchdowns, uh, almost 900, or excuse me, 800 yards. Like, he's just been phenomenal. And they have a kid from Texas A&M that's a finalist that has 500 yards and three touchdowns. Like, what sense does that make? And, and I, you know, if... If that's the route they're going to go, and they're just going to say, "Hey, you go, you went to a bigger school, so therefore your stats are valued more," I guess is what the statement they're making there. Um, it's not fair to Isaiah Likely, and it's not fair to a player like him. That yes, it's a step down in competition in the group of five, but he hasn't had a step down. He's dominated and played really well against every single opponent that he's faced this year. So that's a bit disappointing. Yeah, he's literally tied for eighth in receiving touchdowns in the country. So to not have him, and I'm sure most of those aren't tight. Well, look, none of those above him are. He leads the tight ends in receiving touchdowns. So that's that's ridiculous that he's not on there. Yeah, and you know, it's I'm I'm sure we all know Isaiah likely is going to look at this and he's going to take it with disrespect, take it with a grain of salt, and he's just going to get better from it. You know, it's unfortunate, like you said, Curtis. You know, this guy's got double-digit touchdowns, and to see Texas A&M's tight end not even have, you know, seven late in the season, it's, it's very disheartening and it's very um, very disappointing to see how people are looking at Group of Power Five and not giving them the credit where credit is due. But I know Isaiah Likely is going to take this and he's going to just use it as motivation and he's going to go and finish out the rest of the season uh, the right way. And he's just going to keep patting his stats. And I'm telling you guys right now, Isaiah Likely is going to get drafted and he's going to make the most of his opportunity to whoever picks him up out of the 32 teams in the NFL. He's going to make his opportunity work, I'm telling you. Yeah, he just accepted today an invite to the Reese's Senior Bowl. Like, he's – McShay or Kuyper, one of them, they, they like to put that lower third on the broadcast every now and then that he's like the ninth best tight end in the draft class that number's going to change because he's an athletic freak he's going to test like crazy at, at his pro day he's going to go down to the senior bowl and he's going to compete against other top tight end targets in the draft and they're going to see just who this kid is and he's going to rise up draft boards do i think he's a first round pick no um but i think he has the potential to in this class of tight ends to come out the shannon sharp the kid that went super late or went undrafted and is a hall of famer is you know i don't i don't want to put that type of pressure on the kid but is the best tight end of his draft class even though he was the seventh selected like he's he's a really really talented tight end and it's disappointing um for the the committee to to do the for the Mackey voters to do this to him um the other finalists and just because i, I think it's important to throw their names and their stat lines out there just so that we don't put names and faces and numbers to it trey mcbride from colorado state 84 receptions 1008 yards but only one touchdown um charlie kolar from iowa state he has 53 receptions 658 yards and five touchdowns and jalen windermeyer from texas a&m uh, 36 receptions 491 yards and four touchdowns and then, like I said earlier, Isaiah Likely, forty-nine yards or forty-nine receptions, seven hundred ninety-five yards, ten touchdowns. Like, wow. other than the kid that has a thousand receiving yards, that's more impressive than the other two for sure. So, again, disappointing. Um, wish we could have got you know 
him there or at least someone from the team. I think he was the most likely. Um, not pun not intended. Um, <laughs> out of yes. any of our athletes to, to be a, a finalist for a national award and then to get to that national stage for Coastal. I think Grayson McCall has a chance in the Davy O'Brien race, but I think that'll probably be Bryce Carpenter and then um, Billy Zapp from Western Kentucky is having an incredible season. Um, and then you'll probably throw in pick one of the Georgia quarterbacks. I assume they'll just – or C.J. Stroud. CJ, I forgot about C.J. Stroud there for a second. I don't know how you forget about a guy that had six touchdowns in the first half uh, <laughs> against the – Yeah, you said Bryce team. Carpenter there. And I know we're the Bryce Carpenter fan show, but I don't think he's a um, finalist. What did for I, did I say Bryce Carpenter? Yeah, you did. Oh, my bad. Bryce Young. Uh, <laughs> sorry. My love bad. You, I love you, bro. Love we you love Bryce. Bryce apparently a lot but not not that much uh <laughs> no but yeah just to just to throw that out there i think that important that discussion was important but back to the game at hand uh senior day is the next thing i want to roll into uh a lot of guys on this team are leaving um let's take some time to reflect back on that because you know we we put out a tweet earlier this week that i feel really strongly about that you know I know we were critical of the leadership in the senior class of this team after Georgia State and, and the attitude that they have and, you know, the, the seemingly don't care. You didn't see that at all uh, on Saturday. It, it really seemed like the Georgia State game was a kick in the ass, and they turned it around and they played really well. Um, this is a group of seniors that could have easily left Coastal. They could have easily dipped. They could have transferred. They could have not come here in the first place. Again, Coastal was a brand new Division One FBS team when these guys were, were coming here. And they've turned in two of the best seasons in Coastal history. That undefeated regular season last year will undoubtedly never be forgotten. It's your first bowl game ever. Yes, they lost that bowl game, but it's still the first bowl game ever. That'll always, you know, 100 years from now, that'll be the, you know, in 2020 you remember when coastal played the cure bowl their first bowl game ever type thing like that'll always be there and because of the effort and the the belief that those guys have put in coastal football has a very bright future and a lot of good memories to look back on even if this season has been a slight disappointment um still you're sitting at nine and two right now you're definitely going bowling um you're probably going to finish second in your division in the Sun Belt. It's 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 a really really good senior class and you know these guys deserve all the attention and all the accolades that they could get. Yeah, I think you really put the head on the nail there. All of these guys went through a coaching change. Any of the seniors that are here except for like the Juco guys, they all went through a coaching change and I saw Alex Spillum posted something on his story kind of talking about that he was like we all got together and we were like we could have easily left we could have go played somewhere else we knew we were good but we stayed and we really wanted to build something and that's exactly what they've done if coastal pans out in the direction that i think they're heading these guys will always be the builders of that and they'll never be forgotten among teal nation yeah i i truly think that you know this team with the with these seniors is just going to be you know, just something that we're going to look back for, like you said, Curtis, just look back and reflect on what they did and how they did it. You know, they, they came in here, nobody knew who they were. And by the, by the time they're leaving now, people are going to know who Silas Kelly is. People are going to know who Teddy Gallagher is. People are going to know 
a lot of these names, CJ Brewer, they're going to know who these guys are, you know, whenever they come back to Teal Nation. And, you know, to see what they did and to see how they did it, um, you know, we talked about last year how that was just a hell of a year. And to see how they did it and, you know, it's just a great thing to see, you know, and because of their success and what they did on the field and the sacrifices they made, we're starting to get more prominence, you know, even though we are a smaller school, we're starting to get more, more uh, recruits and more people wanting to come play at Teal Nation. And it's just a beautiful thing to see is it's going to be hard for us to see them go, but you know, it's next man up mentality. Uh, they got, you know, two more games to finish and they got two more games to finish it out the right way. And I truly believe that they're going to do that. They're not going to go out um, and, you know, hiccup anymore. I think that they're going to go out here and do what they need to do. And, you know, just thank you so much for all that they've done for Teal Nation and we'll never forget them. Right. And that, and as Josh said, they're not only the foundation, but I think they are the standard. They are the bar because we go back again, because this year we talked about their performance at Georgia State and we talked about their performance at App State when they had those two losses, but Go back two, three years ago, and the way we talk about them, I really think it's a completely different conversation. The fact that this a bunch of these seniors came in and they changed the whole football landscape around Coastal Carolina, it just shows you how special these seniors are. It shows you what kind of standard that they held for each the season every single year. And I think that's something that the future of Coastal Carolina football needs to also take as well. Yeah, and like you said, Curtis, earlier, they've made the first bowl game they've done, but they can still do one very important thing. They won the Sun Belt. They were the first team ranked, but we've never won a bowl game, and this group of seniors still has that opportunity. And if they're able to do that, that's literally all we can ask of them the rest of the season to really cap off a magical career for them. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the, the next step for this group is is winning that bowl game. Um you know, and that starts with winning against Texas State. That starts with next week winning against South Alabama. And and you roll those good performances into a bowl win and, and a really kind of, you know, this is who we are as a class. They have in the Mario and Josh Norman Fieldhouse, um, the third floor is basically like where the coaches' offices are and all that kind of stuff, but there's a, a trophy case in there. And there's a lot of Big South trophies in there. There's a lot of, you know, stuff from, from our FCS past and, and how successful we were at that level. But the biggest trophy in there right now is the Sunbelt Championship trophy from last year. And as much as that will always be more important than whatever bowl game we go to this year, to have another trophy to put right next to it, front and center, and be like, hey, we did this. This class of seniors did this. We took a team that was terrible. Let's not sugarcoat it. This Coastal Carolina was not a football school. You came to Coastal to party and play baseball. These guys changed that. They changed the 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 you know the way people think about Coastal and to put a trophy in that trophy case, whatever trophy it is. I don't care if it has some stupid lawnmower on the top of it or whatever. Right, like that trophy will always be there and always be a reminder of the success that this group had right next to the Sun Belt Championship trophy. But yeah, I mean, let's go into the game itself now. Uh, now that we've had some, you know, philosophical kind of outside the game discussions, what were your major takeaways from from Senior Night? What 
stood out to you? What what did Coastal do well? What did they not do well? Where are you guys at right now? And really, the defense. I mean, two of their touchdowns, like, let's be real, really shouldn't have happened. They caught us sleeping on a 50-yard rushing touchdown with time running out in the second quarter, which I don't even know how that happened, but that's not – it is an indictment on the defense, but it's not an indictment of how they play the whole game. And then Lance Boykin completely reads the route, undercuts it, has it in his hands, and then it bounces up behind him right into the receiver's hands, and they score a touchdown. That was on third down, so that would have been a punt. So really, I know that's not what the scoreboard says. It should have been 35-7. to seven. The defense played great. They got pressure the entire game. And again, they looked like I don't know why, but they looked like a completely different squad than what we saw a week before. So that was really good to see, but also, again, kind of frustrating because we know that's what they're capable of. And when they don't do it, we don't understand why. Well, for me, I'm going to say offensive line play was a lot better this game. Um, Anytime you have a quarterback that throws five touchdowns over 300 yards, your offensive line play played really well. And I'm pretty sure uh, they came out and they wanted to make that a big, uh, testament this week against Texas State to play a lot better than they did last week against Georgia State. So I think offensive line play played well. And I think that, you know, they also did well with the run game as well. Uh, run game played a lot better this week. Uh, we didn't have any, like, big-time numbers. But, I mean, individually, individual-wise between our running backs and our quarterbacks running the ball, combined 179 yards, that's still pretty good. So you know that offensive line play played real offensive line play played really well this week and it was really good to see them have a bounce back game as well yeah and that's really a success on our podcast because obviously that means they listened to it and they stepped up so really good job Sean show right there <laughs> i mean for me i'm gonna be honest with you i'm looking at two guys okay one of them we've been praising a bit uh cameron brown he had himself a great game four receptions 90 yards and he had two touchdowns as well so even though uh, Javon Hiley had more yards, he had more receptions, Cameron Brown was unstoppable. This man had 22 and a half yards per catch. That's one. And the other guy, we kind of, you know, we've talked about him a little bit and how, like, we talked about how he needs to step up this year or he, had, or he hadn't. But this game, he did a great job. C.J. Brewer, he had five tackles. He had one and a half sacks. I mean, C.J. Brewer really stepped up. And so when I look at that right there, those are the two players that really did catch my eye on Coastal. And I think they did an absolutely amazing job. So credit to them. Yeah, Cam Brown's really the senior of seniors. He's This is his sixth year here and his second senior night as well because he also walked last year. So to see him step up, we've known he's been able to step up all year. But Grayson was really finding him, and he looks really good. And I really would like to see him more involved the rest of these last two games as well. He's a great player. Fantastic. Yeah, not only a fantastic receiver, not only a fantastic you know, guy, he's, he's, he's a really, really good guy. He's, he's awesome to talk to. He's super friendly and super personable. You know, he's one of those unsung heroes. He's one of those guys that is always willing to sacrifice himself for the greater good of the team. We've talked about it before on this podcast is he's the best blocking receiver in FBS. I'm convinced of it. Every time that we break a a long run or even, you know, like a short pass that highly turns into something or likely turns into something, He's the guy that's on film that's downfield blocking a safety and just got him locked up. That they're not going anywhere. They're not making a tackle. And and to see him get rewarded with two touchdowns on senior night is is awesome. Um, you mentioned Hiley. 
101 yards for him and a touchdown. Again, this is his senior night too. That's um, you know, we're gonna say that for a lot of guys. So there's a lot, a lot of seniors that most of this team won't be back next season, which is disappointing but also exciting. Um, but yeah, highly again in his last game gets 100 yards and a touchdown. Last home game, I should specify, you know. And then a guy that we've been looking for more from. Um, and we finally got it. I know it's it's his only catch, but it's a 39-yarder for a touchdown. Tyson Mobley, a guy that we've seen the flashes. We've seen what he can do, and and now he turns it into a touchdown on this game, and it bodes well for the future moving forward, not only of just this season, but you've got to replace your entire receiving core, and that's a guy that, that we're, I'm excited about. Yeah, I think we were. Ta- I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast, but we definitely talked about it. We were talking about we didn't really have many speed receivers that actually got playing time, but he's definitely one of them. Him, bed good. We've got some guys on the bench. So to see him get in the game and then they actually throw. I mean, that was just a simple go route, seam route, and Grayson McCall puts it right out in front of him. To see us actually use some of our speed guys and it work like that was great to see, and it's something we've been calling for and. They put it in and it works, so that was awesome. Yeah, I, I think that – I think Tyson Mobley can be – I think he's going to be the guy come next year because he's just that – I just think that he is just that good. He can do just about anything that you ask him. His route running is great. Um, he – I feel like even after the catch, he can make some plays happen. I just think that he is just that good. And not only that, but I think him and Cam Brown to finish out this year can be X factors as well. We know Cam doesn't get the ball a lot, you know, with Highly and Likely. <clears throat> but I think that, you know, Cam Brown and Tyson Mobley, we can get those two guys to finish out the rest of the year. Uh, they have a productive games. I think that this offense can just be just like it is now. I mean, five touchdowns, they can do continue to keep doing what this production week in and week out these next two weeks. Yeah, I mean, I expect, again, Tyson Mobley to be the guy, like you said, the number one guy come next year. Honestly, I'm going to be honest with you. This offense come next year, I'm going to be very, very excited about because the one thing I noticed about Mobley and especially Bedgood is because a lot of them, if you remember, we use them mostly for like wildcat type stuff. And I still think that's going to be contributed in the offense next year, if not a lot more. But I expect guys like Tyson Mobley to be the number one guy. I don't know so much about like transfers coming in or recruits or anything like that. That's another factor right there. We don't know who's going to be coming in. But if Tyson Mobley is the number one guy, I'm excited to see it because I think he has the speed that we have been looking for on this team. You know, we have a great team, but the one thing that we talked about many, many times as a factor that we're lacking is speed. And Tyson Mobley got that. Bed Good has that. So I think we're going to have a very, very exciting offense next year a very gunslinging offense, if I had to predict that. And I think we're going to throw in a few Wildcats, too. I think this is going to be a very exciting offense. Yeah, and, and Texas State on the other side. You know, Josh, you mentioned that they had, like, two weirdo touchdowns that made no sense. I mean, as most of you know, we do the broadcast for um, Coastal Athletics when they're on ESPN+. And <laughs> that last play before halftime, our director's in our ear, like, Hey, nobody zoom in. They're definitely going Hail Mary. They have to just chuck it up to the end zone. And then they run a halfback draw and they break a couple tackles. And now he's at the 20 yard line. And oh my God, he's at the 15. And oh my God, he's at the 10. And he's at the five. And what the, what just happened? Right? Texas State was, was competitive in this game to a point. Without those two lucky touchdowns, 
Coastal blows them out, like you said, 35-7. to But they had some really good players. And they had a couple of really good performances. Yeah, the first one that comes to my mind is Calvin Hill. Again, 12 carries, 100 yards. He had eight yards per carry. I mean, obviously, to credit it, most of that probably came from the 54-yard touchdown that he had before the half ended. But, again, I mean, overall, I look at, like, the receiving, and it wasn't really, like, as involved as, you know, they probably have wanted it to be. But, like, you look at guys like Ashton Hawkins. He had two receptions, 41 yards. He had 20 20 and a half yards per catch. And the only touchdown came from Marcel Barbie. He had that one touchdown probably coming off of, you know, um, the uh, the Boykin, you know, coming up, hitting off of Boykin and them getting the ball. But overall, I think that credits our defense on how great they were, you know. But if I had to pick one guy on this team that really did that somewhat stepped up, probably Calvin Hill. He had himself a pretty good game. Yeah, uh, for me, I mean, their defense really was impressive to me. I think that, um, you know, this was a close game at half. I mean, it was a uh, um, – it was tied actually at the half. So the defense, their defense is actually pretty good. I think that Zion Childress uh, played really well for their defense. I mean, he had nine total tackles and four solo. He actually uh, played, was really the key person that I saw on their defense that actually played really well. But I mean, this, this Texas state team, we expected this. I mean, we expected to be, you know, have a really big blowout win on them, but, this team, if people forget, we had to score a late touchdown at their spot last year to, to stay undefeated. People forget how good this – the record may not show, but they're a really good team. I mean, I'm just got to – they're not going to give up, and they're not satisfied with who, you know, the other team is. They're going to come out there, and they're going to try to make the upset. And, you know, for a little bit – it gave us a little bit of a scare come when it going into halftime last week. And um, but luckily, like you said, Mario, and like everyone else here said, the defense stepped up when it needed to late in the game. Yeah, and this is a team that's full of athletes, really. Their quarterback is big, he's like a big Ben almost guy. He was pretty hard to take down, and it's a team that almost beat Baylor. They gave Baylor fits, lost to him by nine, but has been looking at their schedule competitive in every single game and full of athletes and guys that were on paper at least just as athletic as we are. And gave us a scare and I think it gave us a good experience playing in a close game even though we mentioned two of those touchdowns were lucky but it gave us good experience playing in a close game and we haven't been able to pull those out this year and we were able to do that so I think it was positive all around yeah for sure but yeah I mean this this was a really good game for Coastal like you said Josh this was a good game to get under their belt and and have this experience moving forward you've got South Alabama next week uh, in Mobile, so that's going to be uh, a challenge in and of itself. Just you know, being away from home, and the the thing that I'm looking to this team for, and, and we'll get into this a little bit more in our pregame episode. But um, how do you overcome the emotion of Senior Day, and and put that behind you, and, and focus refocus on a football game? Because yes, it was your last football game at Brooks Stadium, but it's certainly not your last football game. So how do these guys move on from that? But yeah, we'll dive into that a little bit more in the, in the pregame episode. Um, to finish up this episode now, celebrity sighting at the game. Is, I just want to throw out some some fun little cool cool stuff. Joey Chestnut, uh, to a lot of people, myself included, an American hero. Um, I know that that term is, is kind of overused, but really in... in 
And I know he's just, as one of our, our fellow uh, co-workers said, the hot dog guy. Uh, but, like, he's he's an amazing human being. He's an amazing person. He's What he's accomplished is incredible. I I think I eat 70, was it 73 or 76, whatever it is. I think 76. Yeah. 76. 76 in 10 minutes. I think I eat 76 hot dogs in a year. Like, that's just, it's incredible. Yeah, he was at the game, um, post-game after the victory, he was in the locker room, and him and Silas Kelly and, and our punter, Charles Overson, had a, had an eating competition. It was super fun. It was super cool. But, yeah, seeing Joey Chestnut at the game was, was really cool. Yeah, and it, it kind of, like, encapsulated some of that magic that we had last year. Like, nobody has more fun than the Shaunts. And it was good to see us. We mentioned a couple weeks ago that we kind of got away from those celebrations and having fun with it and acting like we're better than what we were last year by like our standards. Like we can't celebrate anymore. We can't be, ha- we don't have as much swag. And this was a little glimpse of that again. And it was awesome to see. And it reminded me of last year and got team got a little bit of swagger back and I hope they carry that into next week. Yeah, it was, I'm, I'm about like you guys, when I found out that, you know, Joey Chestnut was at the game last week, I was like, man, you guys just, you guys are having a ball. Like these guys are out here having a ball. Like you said, Josh, they're just like last year. It, it, it just felt like a blast from the past that you just had to see what they were going to do. And and actually it was a really good thing to see because we're actually to have a celebrity like Joey Chestnut, you know, to come to our game, you know, you don't really see too many, you know, celebrities go to games like that unless they're alumni or they're like a really big fan of that team. So to see someone like that, to see Joey Chestnut come to Coastal and to see us and even pull out a win for that, that's just a really great thing to see. And it was a really great thing to see uh, after the game, like you said, Curtis, having that eating contest. I know that the football players, I know Silas and them didn't stand a chance against Joey, but it was really good to see those guys try to go up against the champ. And, you know, it's really it was just really fun to see. It really was. Yeah, he looked good in that teal, didn't he? It sure did. <laughs> yeah, and as and as Curtis said, you know, American hero, I'm definitely going to use that term. If anybody else got a problem with that, you know, they can come talk to me about that because this man's definitely an American hero. I don't care what anybody says. But, you know, hey, I when I seen that he was at that game and they were like, we got a legend in the building, I absolutely lost it. I wanted, I, as soon as I seen him, I said, I got to meet this man. So me and Josh, we went up to the man. We took a couple of pics with him. It was a great experience. But yeah, going being all serious, going to what Josh and Jordan referenced, it is good to see them celebrating wins and having fun like they used to. We talked about them, you know, slamming people through tables after they had a win last year. It's good to see something like that. And it's good to see them hanging out with a celebrity. And not only that, but it gives them a lot of like more notoriety because that was all over sports, uh, sports apps. It was everywhere I looked, I seen Joey Chestnut. He was at the Coastal game. And look, I think he almost ate that whole pizza in under like three minutes. Cause I, cause that video was like about three and a half minutes long. This man almost ate the whole pizza in three and a half minutes. So, I mean, and, and Hey, look, our football players didn't stand a chance, but some of them can eat. That's all I'm going to say. Like some of them can eat. They were eating like half a pizza over there. So like credit to them. It was really, really cool to see. Uh, and like you said, I, I, they're athletes, right? I don't care what, you know, even if they're not playing football, you throw Silas Kelly on the basketball court and I'm sure he'll be just fine. 
they proved they can be competitive eaters too. Trey Carter was destroying <laughs> that pizza oh, yeah. boy. He was going all at it. Like it was awesome. But it, like you said, it was, it's good to see these guys having fun. We talked about it before we talked about it, you know, a, a lot. This, this team is fun. They have a giant, I talked about the, the third floor of, of the, the Norman field house is the football ops center, I guess is the best way to put it. There's a giant ass mural of Alex Spillum in the, the, um, the, the game of Thrones cloak that they put on. And it says, nobody in the country has more fun than coastal. And this proved it. And they had a great time and it's good for them to see. And it's good to see that, that even though a a season of football is hard, a season of football is tough. You're going to have ups and downs. You're going to have bumps and bruises. They're going to have a good time. They're going to have a good time doing it. And and it was, it was really, really good to see for this team. Yeah. This was the only pregame. I mean, not pre postgame celebration. I can even remember this season other than cutting the wolf off the head of Arkansas state. Last year we had something for every single game. And I don't know why we kind of got away with it. I guess, you know, have a level of class, but I'm all for it. And they're having fun and gives them something to look forward to after a win. So it was good to see that for the first time in probably two months. Yeah, and it's like you said, Josh, you know, I think that we got to be like, like you said, I think that it started to be more, have more class. I liked it when we didn't have class. I liked it when we were, like you said last episode, when we were the bad guys, when we were shoving quarterbacks down in the in the, in the the turf like uh, Zach Wilson and uh, Jeffrey Gunther, <laughs> Teddy Gallagher doing that. Yeah, I think we need to go back to doing that. I really do. I feel like, you know, people, we love to see it. The fans love to see it. And, you know, we almost got into a brawl at that BYU game. We almost did. But, hey, I mean, to see we, – we talked about togetherness last episode, and you, you saw that Saturday. You really did. You saw everybody being there for one another, having their brothers back, and it was a beautiful thing to see. It really was. Yeah, like you just said, one thing I think we forgot to mention was that it was a really chippy game on Saturday. Texas State, one of the first plays of the game, probably first play from scrimmage, knocked the absolute lights off of Braden Bennett, and he was out for a quarter or two. The refs swallowed the whistles the entire game. No targeting calls. I felt like there could have been a couple of them. But this game, the whole team had each other's back, and every bad call the refs made that there could have been a targeting, the entire team was over there giving it to Texas State and almost, like you said, starting brawls. So it was we literally called that out last week, and like I said, they listened again, and they did it this week, and that was great to see. So a complete 180 from what we saw last week. Right, and not only that, but the one thing I noticed too is, and I completely understand it, is every single time like Braden Bennett like faced off against that Texas State team, he, was, he wasn't in a good mood. He was angry. You could see the emotion in him. That's what I like to see out of a player. You know, I like to see that certain emotion to a certain degree. I think Brian Bennett, you know, the emotion that he showed was perfect because it shows that you care. You know, you're showing that, look, we care about this game. It's not just us fooling around. And you know what? The team, like you said, they were giving it to Texas State as well. That's what we want to see. You stand up for your brother, like, like we see on the Big Tron before every single game. We see Trey Carter yelling, one team, one family. That's the way it's supposed to be every single game. And so to see them show those types of emotions, I'm all for it. Yeah, absolutely. And again, as we've said earlier in this podcast, it's got to continue. But 
with that, I think I go ahead and wrap up the post-game episode for Mario and Josh and Jordan. I'm going to go ahead and sign us off. Follow us on Twitter at The Shant Show, on Instagram at Shant Show. DMs are still open and always will be. Hit us up with questions, whatever you uh, feel that, that the need to ask. Whatever it is, we're, we're more than willing to talk about it. Um, we've got a couple of exciting things planned in the near future, so keep an eye out on the feed. Um, not going to spoil anything and not going to set crazy expectations. We learned, uh, we learned that lesson all too much, but with that, I'll go ahead and sign us off for this one. Sean's up.